Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their pod father. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Hello, and today we're going to be talking about the new ACOG committee opinion called the Ethical Considerations for the Care of Patients with Obesity. Woo! Wow! You know what's uh, great content is committee opinions. Committee opinions? Committee opinions are great content. It's a real showstopper. Yeah. Uh, So I thought this would be appropriate because we already did our book club on hunger. Mm. And so I thought this would be a good kind of tie-in. Corbin and I are together again. Yes. Yeah. Reunited for, and it feels so good. Thank you for sending me a lovely picture of you of of yourselves on it. I'm gonna describe this picture. You guys are uh sitting on a what looks like a patio. There's a there's a fence sort of behind you. It's sunny out, you're both wearing sunglasses, and fuck y'all. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's 11 degrees um, here. The wind chill is horrible. There is ice. It was so cold last night that Christine's car actually slid down the driveway while we weren't home. Oh, with, my God. It didn't roll. It slid backwards down the driveway until it uh, so hit a patch scary. where there was no ice, and then it stopped. So, okay. yeah. So, fuck y'all. Well, it was 82 degrees here today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. We're living in little literal dream. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get our... It's going to come around this summer. Yeah. We're going to die this summer, so it's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'll... Although... I'll, I'll relish your... I'll, rel, I'll relish your your pain then. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I would way rather be hot than cold, but that's just me as I, I agree. I totally agree. Because you could, Adam you could, is the complete opposite. You could take off clothes. I guess you could put on clothes, but no, that only takes you so far. I, I mean, know, generally, I'd rather be cold, but I will have to say the nicer thing about it just getting really hot in the summertime is that you don't have to deal with snow or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So now that we've talked about the weather. Again. Yeah. But more importantly, we're together. <laughs> yes, right. I'm glad you guys so, are together. Well, the funny happy. thing is that I had texted Dave if we could record tonight, and he was like, is Corbin free? And I was like, yeah, she's with me. Here's, a, here's a GD picture for, for your pleasure. To verify, to prove. I know. It's adorable. But anyway, so yeah, committee opinion. So, well, I think what's interesting about a committee opinion is that ACOG, which we've talked about multiple times, the American, the American College, College of, of Gun, Right. You got it. Yeah. Congress. I was going to try to. It says it right there. I was going to try to remember the acronym. But you, I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's either one. I think it depends on what in, what, in which way it's functioning. Yeah. Anyway, it is like very special. Um, like I feel like ACOG is kind of strange and like in a good way in that they do these, but they put out practice bulletins, committee opinions, and practice advisories that are basically like ACOG, like physicians within ACOG put together like the best evidence for like 
the basic guidelines for doing our jobs, essentially. Hmm. So like, we'll probably talk about lots of practice bulletins on this podcast, I feel, because that's we like use them a ton in our jobs every day. But like, I just did a lecture about the early pregnancy loss practice bulletin. Mm. And it's just like really nice because it like walks you through like the strict, like the strictest definitions of it so that like you're not like for early pregnancy loss that matters so that you're not like calling something a pregnancy loss that's like actually just an early normal pregnancy, you know? So it has like very strict definitions and then it tells you like the different kinds of management and then it tells you like the likelihood that each of those will work and like how you do them, like what the dose is for them and what like the, and then it tells you like the level of evidence for all of them too. So it tells you if it's like based on like the best evidence or just like people agree evidence so so don't yeah. all professional medical organizations do this for their for their members they, i mean not quite in the same way it's I not as like streamlined mm. yeah like because yeah, ACOG got, is like everything and obgyn you can go to like one place yeah that's got to be like just super helpful it's so helpful yeah well that's except nice. for sometimes they don't have a decision on it and you're just like yeah and you just gotta do what you want yeah but like i was talking one of our friends is a pathologist and she was here this week too and we were talking about it and she like they basically have to use like the guidelines from whatever thing they're doing so like if they're staging ovarian cancer they have to use the figo guidelines but if they're staging like lung cancer then they have to use like the american chest surgeons oh so they got a she's got a whole bunch of things to look after yeah mm-hmm. but we just got one place we can go Nice. Which is nice. Well, what did they say about obesity? Automatically remember. Um, so the committee opinion itself is not like super groundbreaking, though I do think it's illuminating in several ways because um so like one of the main points is I mean they talk a little bit about like the epidemiology, like what are some medical complications of obesity and you know, all the usual like increased cost that you know people say which i'm like eh, i've never looked at the research myself so i can't really talk about that very much but um they talk about how like they specifically say like this is a quote obesity is a medical condition and should be treated as such obstetrician gynecologists should focus on patient-centered counseling regarding the medical risks associated with obesity and on concrete strategies and goals to improve overall health and then um, they talk about how the OBGYN should be mindful of, like, their implicit bias towards obesity because um, research has shown that there's an implicit bias towards obese people. Mm-hmm. And that basically also to say that, like, obesity shouldn't be looked at, like, as a moral failing. And so I think it's just, like, kind of illuminating that they have to, like, specifically say that in their committee opinion that you shouldn't look at obesity as a committee as a moral failing. And that it's a medical condition. Yeah. Um, and they also mentioned how, um, like I said, there's like um, studies that have shown um, patients or providers often have an implicit bias towards obesity. And also they talk about societal stigmatization of people and how it can lead to um, stress and also... Um, not seeking care. So yeah, 
I mean, I, it's not really like groundbreaking or anything, but I just thought it was interesting that they have to specifically be like, yeah, I, don't, so don't stigmatize fat people. And we're talking to a bunch of doctors. You know yeah, I mean? no, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's an acknowledgement. It sounds like an acknowledgement that that uh, doctors are human, too. They have their their biases and that, you know, any doctor who thinks that they don't needs to be reminded that, yeah, you do. Um, Actually, you do keep yeah. it in mind, you know. We know you're not, you know, intentionally being a jerk, but, you know, you've got these things going on in the back of your head. Yeah. Pay attention. And we, yeah, and weight gain is multifactorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, it's also good because, like, the other thing is, like, it's not just residents that read these. It's, like, older physicians, I feel like, keep up yeah. with. Like, they, if they don't read primary research, like, I feel like they still read like committee opinions and practice bulletin. So that's another thing is like, it's probably really good for like the older physicians too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you know, one of the things I've heard about um, older physicians is that, um, you know, in order for change to happen, you know, the old guard has to retire uh, before anything changes. And if they're, but if in, in the case of, you know, your OBs, and your your OB gins, if they're reading these, uh, if they're reading the about this evidence and these, and these, uh, you know, sort of new guidance that they get from ACOG or whatever, um, I mean, maybe that'll help. Uh, another thing it does is it gives um, questions to help identify implicit yeah. waste bias, which good. I thought was like good because, I mean, it actually helps you, you know, because some a lot. I feel like I've been to a lot of workshops or whatever or read things like this that are like. Be aware of your implicit bias and then don't give you any yeah. tools to figure out like what that means. Right. So um, some questions that they pose. Do I make assumption based on on based only on weight regarding a personal person's character, intelligence, professional success, health status or lifestyle behaviors? Am I comfortable mm. working with people of all shapes and sizes? Mm. Do I give appropriate feedback to encourage healthful behavior change? Am I sensitive to the needs and concerns of individuals with obesity? And do I treat them in the individual or only the condition? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it may be tempting f- f- for one of those, one of those things. I think, I think it may be tempting for, you know, a doctor to immediately jump to a conclusion when a patient walks in the room looking a certain way, um, as to what their problem is. Um, so those are all, those are all great. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that, you know, like I think I have anyway. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not real comfortable. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't make a patient trust you, you know? Um, yeah. it's, it's really, I think it's real. I think it's really damaging. I mean, and the, and the doctor may well be right. Um, but often, you know, like the times I've experienced, I felt there was no discussion. There was no, like, well, let's look at this. Let's talk this through. Let's, you know, work it through. And I know there's yeah. not a lot of time for doctors to engage in this sort of behavior with patients, yeah. but um, it may be important to take that time when, you know, when you do have, when you can identify a patient for whom you might have an, uh, an implicit bias. One of the things I think that's like helped me in my practice personally, which like, obviously I'm not perfect. I'm an intern. I like know nothing, but is that like I like actually haven't ever counseled a patient on like obesity specifically but like in every 
annual exam, I always just talk about like diet and exercise regardless of the patient's weight. Because I feel like those are the things that have been shown to be linked to cardiovascular health more so than obesity have. And so like if you're making healthy diet decisions and healthy exercise decisions, then you are more likely to be successful in weight loss, but also like your cardiovascular health will be better in general. So then like you don't have to make them feel, cause I feel like even like if, if my doctor asked me about my exercise, like I would feel bad, yeah. but not because I'm not like, I'm not obese, but like just because I am very bad at working out and like, and like I definitely should because like I probably have, I actually probably have really bad cardiovascular health because I literally like biked for five minutes the other day and almost died. So like I, I feel like it's really helpful because like that's, I feel like a lot the core for my patients at least is like a lot of my patients, when I talk to them about their diet, they're like, I just don't have either don't have time to eat like healthy food because I'm like working three jobs or I have to like commute a long way to work Or like I have to like do all this other stuff. And so like I just, you know, like find myself just like picking something up or whatever. Or like I don't have access to food, you know, like like produce or that like they just don't know how because we live in the South and like all our food is (laughs) has lots of fat and salt in it because it's delicious. Yeah. 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 And I think that. um I mean, we know, you know, there was that study that came out maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago now, or that it was in the New York Times. They talked about like the healthy fat versus like how BMI, you could have like a high BMI, but still be healthier than like a skinny fat sort of situation. And I feel like that is kind of like the X factor is like, are you working out? Are you eating right? That kind of thing. Like you could still be heavier set or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of funny in medicine. I feel like a lot of times we like we tell our patient, you know, we'll like give a lot of excuses about why we couldn't like do the exam we needed to do or why we couldn't like, yeah, because of someone's like habitus basically like exam limited due to maternal habitus is something we say a lot, which I mean is true in a Mm -hmm. lot of like a lot of our technology, like we can't use if your like habitus is past a certain point, your body, but like, I think it gets lost on medicine in general that it's still our responsibility to figure out how to get it done. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not a person's body. Like it's not their responsibility to make their body accommodating to us. Mm -hmm. It's like our job, our professional responsibility to accommodate our services to their body. And we don't like a lot of times have the equipment necessary. And it's probably it's definitely something we need to work on more. You know, getting, well, we don't have get, any like getting back to the biases against um, <clears throat> against uh, obese people. Um, it kind of works in the other direction too. Like I, I think we make assumptions about people who are who are skinny as being healthy when right. Um, that's not necessarily true. I mean, it, just this week uh, I was reading about how you know the, the headline is half of Americans have heart disease. Um you know, nearly half of us adults are living with cardiovascular disease and, um, not all of them are overweight. I always like toy with the idea of actually not weighing my patients in my future practice. Yeah. 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 What would you do instead? Would you, you would, you, would you have some sort of assessment then you'd have to, I mean, you'd have to do, you'd have to do something else. You'd have to rely on something else. Wouldn't you? I think maybe in pregnancy, but maybe not 
outside of pregnancy. Yeah, in pregnancy is kind of important. Kind of, it is important. Especially yeah. if Because, like, if they're, and if they're not, I mean, also if, like, they're not having appropriate yeah, weight gain. exactly. But, yeah, so. outside of pregnancy. Although, that's the other thing, though, is that, like, weight loss, unexpected weight loss is, like, a symptom yeah, of cancer. Yeah, that's the only thing I can so think then it's of like, is, like, yeah. So then you're like, Bleh, should I, should but I? But how often is, like, it the only thing that I know. a doctor picks up? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, like, oh, you've lost 10 pounds. Yeah. What's that about? You know, I don't know. Right. I well, would have to, this? like, look into more research about yeah. it before I would make that decision. Yeah. Because yeah. usually if someone is, like, losing weight unexpectedly, they come in like, oh, my clothes are loose. Right. And... Yeah. There's, like, other symptoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this? I mean, you you do the weight thing, but you don't necessarily talk about it as such. Yeah. You know? It's just like yeah. you're... Uh, you know, weigh them, n- jot it down. Um don't comment on it um except and in then the still case, always just talk about diet and exercise. yeah except yeah. in a case where you know there's and there there is an issue you do notice a change that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. i don't know just a thought you yeah. could always weigh them and just then ask if they want to see their weight or not i guess mm-hmm. or if they want to discuss it because mm-hmm. that's the thing like how many times do people come to the doctor where we like they want to talk about one thing and we make them talk about something completely separate. That like never happens. That's why you always ask at first. We always like want to, we, I feel like we always want to talk about the least number of things because it's so hard to address like multiple things in one visit mm-hmm. just because you don't just like purely don't have time to like go and Cause I don't know, at least for me, like I like to do a lot of education, but then the more education I do, the less time I have to like cover more things. Yeah, so yeah. then I feel bad. And then, so like, I feel like I always want to cover like one thing really well more than I want to cover like five things, you know? Well, that's probably, Sometimes that's probably not like a bad thing. Sometimes comes though. in with five things, they're actually worried about one thing. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that's probably they're not like, actually a bad thing. I mean, a lot I of the I'm t- hypothyroid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times when you, yeah. when you start giving your patients information, they may not, you know, like if you start giving them information on five different things, it may be harder for them to process too. Yeah, it is. I mean, good job, ACOG, with your committee opinions. Yeah. Did you see who wrote it? Oh, geez, I didn't even see that. <laughs> Dr. Ryan. Dr. Ryan, one of the University of Iowa OBGYNs, oh, oh, wrote it. There you go. I was knew she'd amount to something. I know. <laughs> That's funny. She's awesome. I know. I always love, I was telling uh, Corbin earlier today that I was reading another practice bulletin and I looked at who wrote it and it was Dr. Stockdale, who's like, was like our med student mentor yeah, for yeah, a while yeah. for the OBGYNs. I was like, oh dang, of course she would. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you just like see your attendings names on there. So I was uh, I was interested to read about uh, Planned Parenthood's chatbot, uh, which they call Roo R O O. It's an effort to keep teens informed on sex education and women's health. And uh, so, if you want to check it out, you guys, if you guys have your phones handy, you probably should yeah, go right. to uh, uh, wait. Where's the address? Um, I think it's Roo dot Planned Parenthood. Dot org. Dot org. 
and um, and we can try some questions. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- so the problem they're trying to address, I mean, first of all, um, they're trying to address the fact that uh, uh, high school students may not have access to great sex education programs. They might have difficulty um, finding accurate information about uh, uh, their reproductive health, their relationships. Um, and uh, I imagine also with the um, sort of uh, contraction of funding, um, also this could be an, a way to address this um, situation. Um, so there are different categories of things that you can um, talk about with Rue. Things like bodies, relationships, masturbation, pregnancy, um, sexual orientation, gender, um, and so uh, it it seems uh, it it seems like an interesting approach. Um, I don't know uh, how well it works, so I thought we'd give it a try together. I'm gonna ask one. Uh that I get a lot. How can I get HPV? That's a question I get asked a lot. That's a good one. And I'm asking what's the best method of birth control? So, um, it didn't understand my question. Yeah. I think it probably would have been better if you had said, but it does give you some, some, some options. I entered the same question, Corbs. And so it gave me some options. Uh, what is HPV? Do I have HPV? How can I get the HPV vaccine? Um, so I imagine one of those, like what is HPV, could probably answer the the original question. Um, it's funny. I know that like HPV is technically an STD, but I just like hate to classify it, it as an STD. Yeah. Like it just feels, I mean, technically it's transmitted sexually, but it just feels so... yeah. I feel like when people talk about STDs, you like just think about like gonorrhea and chlamydia, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I also f- always forget that HIV is technically an STD because it just seems like it should be because you can also get it through like blood and bodily fluids. Like it's not just sexually transmitted, and it seems like a class all on its own. What was the you answer know? to? So you, what oh. did you ask, okay. Katie? I said, what's the best best method of birth control? I just went, there's like, when you start it, there's like a popular questions. And so I just picked one. Okay. It says there are many different types of birth control. The most effective types are ones you can't mess up, like the implant or IUD. You can get even more pregnancy protection by using condoms plus birth control together. Bonus, condoms prevent help prevent STDs too. And then it sent me a gift that says nailed it. And it has... Three, a condom, a diaphragm, and an IUD making up the letters, and it's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then it says, you want more info? And I said, sure. And so then it gives me, there's a quiz, which I'm going to take, and it says, which birth control is right for me? I'm going to take the quiz to find out. I, uh, I'll let you know. Yeah. I asked, um, how old am I? I don't remember. <laughs> so it looks like it uses, like, you know, it has these like pre-populated things yeah. and then it uses links to their websites to answer more in-depth questions. Yeah. Because yeah. I Which asked. It's actually pretty good. Because I just like basically I started how do I and then it, I there I let it just like Auto-fill. auto-populate. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it was like, how do I use a tampon? And then it gave me like a little blurb and then it linked to like a period tracker link and then how to use a menstrual products link. Yeah. 
I think at the moment it seems to be having trouble, a little trouble parsing language, which um, it might be a concern for somebody like a teenager who may not have um, all the terminology and all of the mm-hmm. you know sort of verbal ability to ask questions in a way that the chat bot can understand. But for instance, if you just type in a subject, like I just typed in consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says consent means that whether you're kissing, holding hands or having sex, both people are really truly into what's going on and no one is being guilted or pressured into anything. Talking about consent is important every time, no matter the person or the situation want more info. Um, so, um, so it might, yeah, I mean, maybe if you just put in a topic like, like, um, I don't know. What's another topic? First time sex. Oh, you can also ask a question and then you can choose topics. Okay, so. And go under like so, bodies, relationship, uh, masturbation, sex, pregnancy, birth control, sexual orientation, and gender. Do the symptoms one. There's one that's symptoms. called says symptoms. I typed in. F- I feel like this will be good for us to know about. Yeah. How do I know if I have an STD? Oh, what do I do if it hurts when I have sex? That's a good one. What do, yeah. I feel like I get asked this a lot. <laughs> What does it say? It says, as a robot, I'm not great at diagnosing stuff, <laughs> but I know that sex should be feel good for everyone involved. <laughs> I typed in first. It says, go to a doctor. It says, it says go to a doctor and remember if sex hurts, you can stop, which I like that it says that. I typed in first time sex and it says, if you don't use a condom or another birth control method, it's totally possible for you to get pregnant the first time you have sex. That. That's it. Um... Let's it always gives you the option to ask for more questions. Yeah. Yeah. I typed in girlfriend, just girlfriend. And it starts talking about consent again. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, I think this is, I, I think this is something that is going to, uh, need some work. Um, I, um, I don't know. I might try it out. Might try it out on my kids and find out. You know, like, I'll just say, here, go here, ask it some questions, and then give me your review. You don't have to tell me what you asked. Um, and and see what they make of it. Maybe I'll have Christine do it, too. Um, but I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting approach. I think a lot of people are, especially kids, I think they might be more comfortable asking for information in this format than, you know, approaching a doctor or approaching a parent or approaching, you know, and the... And, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of the ways that people get information these days, you know, like through the internet or whatever, or God forbid, Yahoo Answers, um, <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they don't get the best, they don't get quality information. So um, I think it's, I think it's an, an interesting idea. It's one way that um, the, the, uh, uh, Lena, Leanna Wen um, says she's, oh, yeah. she's, uh, you know they're working to expand access to sexual health resources. I think it's cool, especially for for young adults. So, yeah, I think yeah, like if there isn't like a place, I mean, I feel like there are very few places on the internet where you could like have questions like that answered in a way that's not disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the answers when they do when when you're able to get to an answer in the chat, but I think they are very positive. They're very they're pretty comprehensive in a in a short. Um, not overly detailed kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you get the opportunity to say, you know, yes, I'd like to know more about this. Um, in which case you can, you know, you can get more information. So, yeah. And I like that. I don't know. Like, I feel like I trust Planned Parenthood enough to know that like their answers are going to be like, at least mostly medically accurate. Yeah. Any fallopian files? My fallopian files vacation with Corbs. Oh. Uh, my fallopian file is called The Dream. It's a podcast about multi-level marketing. Oh, yeah. It's really good. We were talking about this last night. Uh, yeah. I think I've heard of this, too. you are from the Midwest, you could probably relate to it a lot because, I don't know, everyone is involved in multi-level marketing. It's so true. Oh, God. And some of them are more benign than others. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, I mean, I it's so common in the Midwest. Like, I had to, like, think about it and be like, man, is that really a multi-level marketing? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, but I think someone is. in my office, I think, is doing Lululemon. Mm-hmm. You mean LuLaRoe? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Lululemon. Yeah, yeah. Is a, it's like a, a real. yoga pants. Yeah. Is that what you... <laughs> yeah. Um... And I think what this person does is not the whole recruiting people, multi-level marketing part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think she just sells stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm aware. I've, I've read, I think I've read that, um, that uh, LuLaRoe is, is kind of an MLM. You don't have to do it that way, but. It is. It is, a, it is an MLM. Yeah. Kind of a dirty one, in fact. Is it? There's a lawsuit, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I just don't know. It's crazy. Uh, the ones that I feel like are common, Lula Row, though, I don't see that much about them anymore. Yeah. Um, the ones I see in my newsfeed, Beach Body. I've never heard of that one. What's it's that? like a workout. Oh. It's like a workout. People sign up to be coaches or whatever, and then they also sell these shakes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I see a lot of plexus, but that's probably because my family members sell it, and it's very annoying. <laughs> and there's a lot of Young false science yeah. behind that one. Yeah. Thirty one herbal life is, I think. One. Somebody tried to get um, me. Somebody tried to get me into an MLM back in the day, like in the nineties. And uh, Pampered Chef. I don't remember yeah, what it was, but it made Tupperware. Yeah, Tupperware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it MLM? Yeah. Um. It just made me super uncomfortable. I never really, I considered it for a minute. I didn't know what it was, but something about it made me really super uncomfortable. So I'm glad I didn't. It's, I think what's sketchy about it is a lot. And this isn't true for everyone, but like a lot of them try to tell you, you're like, wow, this dreams are going to come. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, it had something to do with ploy of the MLMs is that they like blame everything. They're like, basically tell people like, if you can be positive, Good things will happen to yeah. you. Mm-hmm. It's like the prosperity gospel, but for like capitalism. And if you, yeah, yeah, and and if you don't, which is the proper. <laughs> I mean, but for like specifically a market, yeah. I guess yeah. not necessarily yeah. religion. And if you and if no, you don't like, do well, it's your fault. You're you're. It's your right. fault. Yeah, you're not working hard enough. Which I think is the most malicious part of these things, yeah. other than the fact they steal people's money. Yeah. Essentially, steal okay. People's money. We'll check that out. But I think we should start one. <laughs> so, I mean, if you start one, you're going to make a we, lot of money. Right. What would Which we do? We should start one. What would we market in our I MLM? Podcast equipment. 
How about some right. jade vagina eggs? Jade vagina eggs. That can be our MLM. We can sell out our MDs for however much money we'll make. Yeah. You could be Instagram influencers, sell your jade eggs and yeah. podcast equipment. You know? Those two go together very well. Yeah. It's Corbin and Katie's. You know me, I'm very jade egg pretty influential podcast. on instagram yeah me and corbin are real sales women over we've here we've got jade eggs in us right now while we podcast we were at Firefest, you guys oh my God. <laughs> we had the original did I you watch it anybody watch, watch the documentary documentary i, I watched, refuse to watch i watched them both i am not surprised <laughs> i was fascinated i heard the hulu ones more hardcore more uh um aggressive. the fire so the netflix one is better more well done the net, the Hulu one is more aggressive. That's yeah, for sure. Hard hitting. Yeah. Because the the Netflix one was actually co-produced right. by Fuck Jerry. Yeah. Which obviously they're a bad corporation anyway because they basically they made a living out of stealing people's jokes. Oh right, know, yeah, yeah. And getting the, but I mean we live in a world that steals each other's shit anyway. Like everyone thinks they have, you know, they steal all the crap. Like, all these YouTubers who, mm -hmm. like, you know, they have their friends on their vlogs and they make all this money. I'm like, if you didn't have friends on your vlogs, you wouldn't be making any money. What do you, yeah. what do you mean? But they don't pay their friends or anything because it's... Oh, I see what anyway. you're saying. I see. Uh, well, I actually take all the money for this podcast and don't give it to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dough, you're rolling. rolling That's why you can own a house and I'm still renting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just wait till uh, Katie's furnace dies, then you'll be... Sitting on Easy Street. Uh, uh, yeah, speaking Before of YouTube uh, the, and stealing, um, that's actually sort of my um, fallopian file. We've talked about uh, the the McElroy brothers and my brother and brother and my brother and yeah, my yes. brother and me podcast and their other you know sawbones and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things I found lately on YouTube is people excerpting. They're ex excerpting my brother, my brother and me, and then animating, um, you know, making, oh, yeah. making animations mm -hmm. to, uh, these excerpts and, um, I love them. I, yeah. <laughs> I, some of them are so well done. They're so cute. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course they're, you know, McElroy brothers content. So it makes me laugh real hard. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that, you know, the brothers don't seem to care, you know, much, yeah. much. Well, most of the people who do it, like credit them. In it, yeah. Yeah. No, it's clear. It's, it's always, it seems to be made clear, you know, in, in almost every case that I've seen, like what you're listening to, but you know, the, for some people that might not be good enough, they could turn around and say, you know, well, you're taking my content, um, blah, blah, blah. I think it's, yeah. I, I think what they're doing is fair use because they're, um, you know, the, the legal concept of fair use involves, you know, doing, taking something and then yeah. making it, altering it, making it better, making it different, making, you know, making a substantive mm -hmm. change to it that adds to it. That's okay. Um, yeah. But uh, I just like them. They just make me laugh and me too. they're super cute. Well, Is that it? Is that all we got? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Well, enjoy your time together, y'all. Um, or how long are you there? Well, Saturday. Saturday. And we're going to Charleston tomorrow, and Corbin's going to try to find people from Southern Charm. 
<laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Well, good luck with your search. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye.